I really wanted to be there and be a part of this tapestry of history. So my heart was in, I believed in the mission of me being there and the words that I was singing. But I was also able to mentally have the practices that helped me not uh, get stuck in my head, that helped me not freak out, that helped me not hold my voice back or allow my inner saboteur to just completely derail me. Um, So I was able to have the mental chops, the vocal chops, and the emotional presence come together, or else there's no way I could have done that performance. Welcome to The Healing Cocoon. I'm Jacoby Gray, soul alignment and success coach and energy healer, which means I can intuit the subtle layers of your energy field to promote ultimate health and well-being. My goal for this podcast is to shed light on the healing journey itself and help you feel more supported as you embark on the process of unpacking your past to consciously create your present and start living the life of your dreams. Through the study of coaching, kinesiology, holographic kinetics, meditation, Reiki, the chakra system, and many other modalities, I've learned how to release the blocks that were holding me back. Now I'd love to help you do the same. By embarking on your own self-healing process, you'll see the world transforming around you in ways you never thought possible. You'll begin to experience more connection clarity, love, fulfillment, synchronicity, and success than you've ever had before. So welcome to The Ascension. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to another episode of the Healing Cocoon podcast. Today, we are speaking with Alicia Olatuja. And I was really excited to get her on the podcast because she has such a unique way of helping other people heal. Alicia is a very accomplished vocalist. She has her Masters of Music in Vocal Performance from Manhattan School of Music. She's a recording artist with multiple albums, a vocal technician, and an LPI certified life coach specializing in vocal empowerment. And she's had an illustrious and colorful career, but probably the highlight for her was being a featured soloist at Barack Obama's second inauguration, which is obviously a huge deal. Um, Alicia herself is such a humble and vibrant soul, and I always adore talking to her. And I wanted to get her on the show because she's created something called Vocal Breakthrough Academy. And the mission of VBA is to help people learn how to break through their self-doubt and their comparison to transform and empower their voices through singing, and even if they're not a singer. And once enrolled, members quickly learn the importance of taking the reins over their own inner and outer voices, which is something you're about to hear, how Alicia's personal healing journey helped her integrate her own inner and outer voice to step into a truly empowered and authentic expression of her true self. So if you enjoy today's episode, which I think you really will because I absolutely love it, jump online wherever you get your podcasts, rate and review, uh, send this episode to a friend who you think would also love it uh, because every little bit counts and this is a really special interview and I'd love to get the word out there. 
So could we track back, I guess, to maybe the discovery of your own voice? Uh, wow. Was singing just something you yeah. could naturally do? Well, it's interesting because there's the voice that comes out of you and then there's your internal voice, which can be very different. And so internally, I always felt like I had something I wanted to express. I was a very expressive kid, sometimes not to uh, my benefit, but I was always, you know, just free and wanted to, you know, sing and talk and make jokes and all that stuff. But sometimes what comes out isn't necessarily a reflection of what you meant (laughs) to come out. And so for me, when I was learning how to, um, when I first was introduced to singing, it was really, I was just playing around in, in my kindergarten class and I used to uh, chase this poor kid around the classroom. His name was Leon, I remember. And I had a crush on him. And I was singing I'm Saving All My Love For You by Whitney Houston. (laughs) That is adorable. I mean, it is to me and you, but Leon was terrified. Just (laughs) so we're all clear. He was like, I don't know who this girl is. She scares me. But I was definitely like, I'm going to just serenade this poor kid. And my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Marge, who I just, I've never been able to find her, but she was the beginning of everything. She pulled me aside, wanted to tell me stop uh, doing that. Um, Stop stop terrorizing Leon. But also she told me that one day I would have a, a great voice and that she wanted me to remember one thing and that was to never get the big head. And, you know, and I was like, you know, I didn't know what that meant. I thought literally my head was going to like morph. Like I didn't know. <laughs> she, she had a lot to answer for Mrs. March. <laughs> like, she was like, you don't know, you don't, you may not know what I'm talking about now, but you will one day. And I was like, okay. So I was like, well, shelve the big head swellage part. Let's talk about the other part when she finally, that was the first person that affirmed me that had this positive thing to say in regards to me being like this really expressive kid. And that was really something that made me feel like, oh, well, maybe this is an avenue in which I could use singing to express how I feel, to express, you know, what what I'm thinking and all these fun ideas and exciting things I'm thinking about. Maybe singing is a way in which I could do that and not get in trouble. (laughs) So so that was pretty much what got me on on the road to do that. And so I never thought about it being um, a, a career growing up. I just I liked to do it. And was forced to do it a lot. Uh, when you're in church, they just say, hey, get up there and sing something. You're like, oh, God, you know. So I didn't necessarily think about it as being this thing that was a part of who I was. So much as just this thing I did that made it so that I could be expressive in a way that was accepted. And so the, there was a bit of a disconnect with me even understanding of it with being my voice. It was, you know, it just didn't have that connection for me. It was just, and and also all of my friends could sing too. So it wasn't even like I was sticking out. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, you weren't, you weren't special. (laughs) One of the singers, you know, so it was never. So it was a way for you to actually fit in, Mm -hmm. even though you were such an expressive child with Mm -hmm. clearly a lot of energy, a lot of imagination, Mm -hmm. and that would get you into all kinds of trouble. But singing was actually a way of fitting in for Mm -hmm. you rather than standing out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it was like where you find your group, you know, your tribe. So some people it's, it's, you know, grunge. Some people it's, you know, skateboarding. For us, it was singing. And so that was pretty much my way of being able to connect with other people. But it wasn't necessarily a means of me being able to connect with myself until many years later when I did start getting asked to do um, professional engagements 
And I realized that my own personal relationship with my voice just wasn't really there. And so when you then have this added pressure of being up in front performing, you know, it it was accompanied by a lot of inner dialogue that really did not match what I was saying on the outside or even what I was expressing on the outside. A lot of negative thinking, a lot of um, catastrophic fantasies, a lot of, you know, that type of thing. So I got tired, though, of being like literally ill before every single show or anything that I was singing when I was in school. Once I started getting into high school and having competitions and things like that, it just wasn't coming together. And I knew like, wow, there's more to this voice than what's heard on the outside. I have a totally different voice going on on the inside and they are not in agreement at all. So, wow. Did you have any kind of training with your voice or was it all natural and just all organic through the church and singing in general? Um, well, there's certain little tips that you do learn when you sing choral music in schools. Well, at least I had a great, uh, choir director and I was in a lot of different ensembles. So I was in like four ensembles at school. I was in a choir and another ensemble at church. And then I was in another ensemble as an extracurricular activity that I did outside of both church and school. So being a part of all these different communities and under the, you know, the baton, I guess, of different directors, they give you great tips. They give you, um, you know, vocal tips to do that are technically sound, but it, I never took private voice instruction where somebody was actually working with my voice singularly, you know, helping me hone it and figure out what the heck was in there. Like I didn't have that. So the church was my boot camp vocally and all these other experiences pretty much whipped me into shape as far as being able to try out different sounds and different genres and different subject matters, all those things allow you to be able to tap into different identities, you know, in the music and what you're singing about and who you're pointing to ultimately um, through your music. Mm. So that was my training before college, I guess you could say. But <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But then when the spotlight was on you, mm-hmm. uh, it was just about you and your voice. Mm-hmm. And that was when you realized the journey had to take. Well, the journey had to be a little bit different to what you'd Absolutely. Kind of done up to that point. Very different because the pressure was mounting, but, um, so I couldn't stay in that understanding, I guess you could say, as I had as a kid. And so when the literal spotlight was starting to get on me was when I went to college and undergrad and I started, I decided on a bet to myself that I would actually take the time to get to know my voice at least how to technically express what it was that I've intended to express. And so I, I studied voice in my undergrad and I gave myself two years. I said, if, 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 it, if it totally doesn't work out, then I, in the next two years, then I'm just going to act like this never happened and I'm going to become a veterinarian. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, very far from, you know, what I was there for. But then a lot of great opportunities happened. There was a, a new operetta, which is like a hybrid between an opera and a musical theater that was being debuted at our school. And it was like going to be a big event to commemorate um, the Lewis and Clark expedition. You know, it's a Midwest school when it's like a big deal to celebrate Lewis and Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're talking to an Australian, I don't know. So I'll just take your word for exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> It was big deal in Missouri, <laughs> you know, that old Lewis and Clark. And so, you know, they were casting and looking for a cast of singers to be able to debut the piece in three years. 
So it was kind of like going to seal my fate for the rest of my collegiate studies. And I auditioned just because I thought it'd be fun. I didn't think that I would actually get casted. So there was something they heard in my voice at my freshman year of college that gave them hope that by the end of in my junior year that I would have what it took because I believe me, I did not, I did not have what it, I did not have anything to be able to carry me through a full fledged opera. I had never even sang an opera before I'd done classical, you know, choral works, but no operas. And so that's when I really started studying and really trying to understand just what the instrument was, but it was still separate from me in a sense. It was still a thing I was trying to understand as far as the, the science of it, I guess you could say, Mm. you know, sound and resonance and, and, you know, how to, how to express an emotion through the voice without affecting your voice. Like you can't, if you're doing a sad scene, you can't be like, (laughs) like you can't sing like you're sad, right? You have to find a way to still be on the technique, but somehow find a way to emote those emotions. So it was things like that I was learning and it was just a world of understanding was opening up to me, but I still struggled with, with just that idea of like, well, what's mine? Like, what is, Mm. who am I through this, Mm. this, this vehicle? I'm using this, I'm using my voice to be able to move through the world. So I'm showing up as myself, but who am I behind the voice? And it was still that disconnect from what was happening on the inside. And I began, I began to go to workshops and master classes and all these places trying to get the answers to that. But all I would get was just more technique, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I realized life was probably going to have to be my teacher. And, uh, <laughs> and so I thought, well, once I figure this out for myself, I would love to teach other people. So when I was in school, I started giving voice lessons, but also just kind of listening to what people's struggles were with their voice, how they were feeling, maybe some pretty detrimental feedback maybe that they were getting that was discouraging them from being able to use their voice. And I just thought, man, you know, one of these days, I hope I'm able to help better than what I can give right now with just this technique. Yeah. So at what point then in your journey, did you integrate your internal world with the voice like a was there Mm -hmm. a deconstruction like when you learn the technique of singing there's a you deconstruct everything Mm -hmm. and it's like this muscle and it's this thing that you're using and toning and tuning and all the things that you do Mm -hmm. but did you have to do that with your own personality at a certain point in order to integrate with your voice in an authentic way yes absolutely it was a little tricky though, because you don't realize that's what you're doing. So it's like, you, you find that out later when you get the vocabulary underneath, you're like, Oh, that's what I was doing. Yes. <laughs> but really, I just wanted to feel like myself while expressing myself vocally, not just focusing on the technique, not just focusing on the feedback of the audience or even using the audience as a litmus test as to whether or not I was connecting or, or being effective. That's kind of where the focus is for the most part. At least that's what we see and understand in general. But I was like, there's got to be something more here where I'm actually connecting with people in a massive group in the way in which I love to connect with people one-on-one. And so I have to sing songs and make choices with my voice that are not based on anything other than how I want to show up in this moment. So that was a decision that had to be made. And it was a risky one because you don't know if that's going to work all the time. 
and you may have to walk away from certain things. For me, I still do classical performances now, but not nearly as much as I've more so moved into the jazz realm and the soul realm. But for me, moving away from singing opera really helped me kind of break away from the rigidity of that particular genre. It did. Yeah, yeah. because it's very technical, like ballet. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to do ballet, and that's by following the rules. Exactly. And and jazz Mm -hmm. is all about breaking the rules. You know, so I wanted to be able to learn certain things, but also learn how to break them so that I could be free to make my own decisions based on what I felt I wanted to express at that time. Once I did that, I didn't know what genre I would be singing. I didn't know what genre I was singing. I just knew that I was singing and it felt honest and it felt like the decisions that I was making was based on what I felt I wanted to express in that moment. It was honest. It was true. And then that inner dialogue stopped being about beating myself up when I make a mistake or I would crack or, or I would, you know, not hit the high note the way that I thought I would have stopped being about that because then I had an answer for those internal con Mm. those internal words that were coming. It's like, it's not about that. If I'm having a conversation with you right now, my voice cracks. This conversation isn't like, you know, ruined. It's like, this is about the whole conversation. You know? Yeah. So did you find that you were able to be um, less of a perfectionist or you were able to accept yourself a bit more when you started looking at the whole picture rather than focusing on those moments where your voice cracked or you hit a wrong note? I'm, I more so realize that perfectionism is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It was like the pursuit of what I was trying to do doesn't exist. That was a big one. It was like, wait a minute. It's an illusion. It doesn't exist. And actually it only serves to hurt my, my expression. It only serves to show me the marks and the misses and what I didn't do. It doesn't even necessarily mean crack. It just means, oh, I wanted to sing that high note, but I got scared. I got scared because I didn't know if it was going to come out right. I didn't want anybody to laugh at me and make fun of me. So let me play it safe and sing it this way. You you know, you kick yourself in the butt over that as well, you know, because you allow fear to be a dictator of how you chose to express yourself. So when you let go of all those things and you realize perfectionism doesn't exist, there's just this gift that you have and you just want to put it out there and see what happens. You can be, you know, singing your butt off and the audience will still look at you blinking and not say anything. You know, and then sometimes you'll get up there and you'll pour it all out and maybe you felt not, it wasn't really right. And they're, you know, crying. And so that's when you realize when you do it enough, you're like, wow, this whole trying to manipulate what happens with the with the audience and what they take away from it is a wasted effort. It's, it's trying to control this whole thing of control. Mm-hmm. You know, it's people say that to me a lot. They're like, oh, I listen to you sing. You have so much control over your voice. They say that a lot. And it's like, well, I studied very hard and practiced a lot to be able to know, to give my voice the different colors and things to play with so that I could relinquish control. Like the whole point of being able to, like learning a language, being fluent in it. You're not thinking about your verbs and your past tense when you're talking to me. (laughs) Yeah, you're not constructing every sentence in your head before you speak it. You're just flowing, but you have to become fluent in that language in order to be able to do that. And I began to realize that in order to become fluent in the language of singing, I had to not only understand my voice on the outside, but actually have a better understanding of my inner voice as well. What are the words? What's the vocabulary? What's the rhetoric that's going on internally that's informing what comes out? So that was wow. that was the big like, oh, 
once, but I started with perfectionism. It doesn't exist. It's one big lie. So did you get to re-meet yourself in a whole new way? Like, did you find that at that point when you made that connection and you got to know your inner self and then how that then reflected through your voice, did that reverberate out through your relationships? It was actually the other way around. So (laughs) whereas I now teach people that order, (laughs) for me, it was the reverse. I was going through a lot of difficult times in my personal relationship. It was my, my current, my first marriage. Um, And a lot of things were not in alignment with that relationship, but I was singing about a life that I wasn't living on stage. And being that it was happening simultaneously, living the life that isn't really truly uh, authentic to what you, what, what will make you truly feel connected and whole and happy and filled. And then singing about a life that is that, you know, it wasn't happening like, Oh, last year I was in this relationship, but I sang this song. It was like, I felt it this afternoon, three hours later, I'm on stage singing the exact opposite thing. So it helped me be like, do a really good um, side by side to what, who I really am and how I really want to show up in the world to what I'm experiencing and what I'm allowing to be my life. And I was like, I feel like a big fat liar. I felt like a big fat liar on stage I felt like what I was saying was when I was on stage, it was like, that was who I am. That felt right. The words I was saying was how I really genuinely feel. I wrote those songs. So of course, right. I'm interrupting this awesome chat to tell you about one of my all time favorite creations, the chakra meditations, a potent combination of yoga nidra, binaural beats and the chakra system. These meditations are designed to guide you into a deep state of relaxation where your nervous system can totally decompress and create the space for healing. I took my time crafting these meditation scripts because I wanted to make sure they resonated with every ounce of truth, transformation and light I could hold. Each individual meditation addresses the specific attributes of each chakra and has a soundscape composed by source vibrations that is attuned to the frequency of each chakra as well. So from the main root aspects of prosperity, grounding and belonging, all the way up to the bliss, self-reflection and enlightenment of the crown chakra, Each meditation is going to take you on an intricately curated journey to energetic freedom. You can download them via the link in the show notes of this episode or on our website, urbanascension.co. That's C-O, not .com, urbanascension.co under the chakra banner. I can't wait for you to experience their magic. So that's what happened. I I realized I was living a double life and it was very, very um, sobering. (laughs) And I knew I had a choice to make. I needed to choose which one of these lives would be mine because I refused to live two opposite ones, one on stage and one at home. And it made me start to feel like I was fracturing in half. Like it was a really difficult time. And I knew I couldn't continue down that road. So I was like, well, girl, you better figure out what what, what do you want to do? And I decided to live the life that I felt was me, even though it did not include remaining in that relationship. 
And mm. so I walked away from that relationship so that I could get to know, then to, I can get to know myself so I can be reintroduced to myself. That was when that happened. So, and that ultimately then changed the music itself because then I had a new story. I had a new experience to sing about. Right. So the, the previous songs you'd written were reflective of happier times or are you saying that they were um, created in the same way that you were, I guess, um, aligned with your voice as an external instrument almost in a way? It was like my true self was being reflected in the music I was singing. My true desires, my true thoughts, my true worries, fears, all those things. It was exactly who I was. Whereas when I wasn't on stage, there would be times where I would be, I, I should say something, but didn't. I should make a choice that's reflective of what's important to me, but I wasn't. So it was, it was the life I was living when I wasn't on stage was not, didn't feel honest. But when mm. I was writing and when I was creating and I was performing, it was honest. Wow. So you were speaking your truth, but mm-hmm. personally hadn't figured out how to just speak your truth. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because, you know, I never talk about what actually happened. I just know it happened. You know what I mean? Mm, so I think mm. this is so enjoyable as it always is when I talk to you that, you know, you have such a, a beautiful way of being able to put to words very poetic experiences, I guess you could say which is very difficult to do for most of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much. So bringing this now back around to this, you, you came to this point of integration where you integrated your internal voice and your external voice and your internal world with your external world. And then, I mean, it sounded like the seed was planted in college when you first started really listening to students and going, oh, I know there's a way I can help you. I hope in the future I can do more. And at the point where the integration happened, was that when you created Vocal Breakthrough Academy? The point where the integration happened was when I sang at the inauguration. Oh my God, I just got a chill. (laughs) I just got a chill. Can you please (laughs) indulge us for a second and tell me about that? (laughs) Well... To be able to put yourself in that position of expressing yourself on a global stage, you have to, in order to not fall apart, (laughs) in order to not freak out in that moment, you have to have three things working for you, ultimately. One of them is you have to be technically sound, which means you do have to know what your voice does. And that's what I say about technically sound. You have to have a relationship with your voice so that it can show up for you and and it could be reliable. It could do what it is that you know it's supposed to do because you spent a lot of time with it like any other relationship, right? So I had the technique stuff from school and I believed what I, I believed, I believed what I was saying. And I believed that I needed to be where I was in that moment. It was an historic moment in in, in this world. And definitely in this country, it made a big, huge impact on all of our lives. And so I really believed in it. And so my heart was in it. You know, I wasn't being told, get up and sing like I was as a kid. You know, and you're like, oh, God, you know, I really wanted to be there and be a part of this tapestry of history. So my heart was in, I believed in 
the mission of me being there and the words that I was singing. But I was also able to mentally have the practices that helped me not uh, get stuck in my head, that helped me not freak out, that helped me not hold my voice back or allow my inner saboteur to just completely derail me. Um, So I was able to have the mental chops, the vocal chops, and the emotional presence come together or else there's no way I could have done that performance Mm. with any of those missing because I had, I had done performances with one of those missing one or all or groupings of twos. Um, And, and so I knew what that was like and I just refused to have that experience. And so 10 days before the inauguration, I really made a point of not just practicing the song a million times, but really making sure that I was in that alignment of being mentally present, vocally prepared and emotionally connected to what I was doing. That was when the integration happened. And that's when I realized that I needed all three to really show up as my authentic self and, and also enjoy it for myself, not just for the gift that you're giving. And that is a kind of a concept that even to this day, a lot of artists don't agree on. They kind of have this tortured artist thing going on where they're like, well, as long as the audience gets what they need, if you're miserable and going through so much stress on your own, well, that's just a price you pay. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's necessary. And, you know, when I bake a pie, we're talking about baking. When I bake a pie or, or some cookies, yeah, I'm going to give it to you as a gift, but I'm getting a slice too. You know? <laughs> I, I want to taste it too. I want to enjoy this meal yeah. that I worked so hard to prepare too. I don't want to go hungry and watch you get fed. And meanwhile, I'm bandaging myself up from all the the cuts and burns mm. that I got while trying to bake it and then going off into my corner somewhere. That's a lot of what artists experience. You know, they have that tortured artist mentality. But I feel like when you align all three of those things, and for me, when I was able to bring all those three things into alignment to be able to just do the most terrifying and most exciting performance of my career at that time, when I was able to bring all those things together, I had a good time too. It was like this, wow. It was a revelation. (laughs) You know, because you should be able to have a good time when you're talking to your friends and hanging out or expressing yourself. We're not usually thinking that the person talking to us is miserable while they're telling us these things or talking to us or giving a lecture or giving a a speech, we think that they're in it as well. But I didn't understand that as a singer until 10 days leading up to the inauguration and it all locked into place. And after sitting for four hours on those freezing steps, (laughs) Oh my gosh, four hours. I was like, please, someone push the fast forward button. But, you know, I was sitting there for four hours and by the time the music started and I started singing, I just, I had the rhetoric in my mind, the, 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 you know, the affirmations that I had worked on. I had the logic in my mind that I knew needed to be there. I knew that my voice had, I've been preparing for years for this moment. So my voice was there and then I was just so honored to be there and that snapped into place. I felt warmth all over my body. And it wasn't because I had those heat packs on, but I did have those on too. But I, I felt warmth. I felt present. I felt joy. I was so happy in that moment. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. I wasn't thinking about if it was going to be perfect. I wasn't thinking about if I was going to embarrass myself in front of Beyonce. You know, all these people mm. were there. You know, mm. it was just, this is the, this is an opportunity that I have. I'm showing up in this moment and dad burner, I'm going to eat a slice of this pie while I serve it to you all too. Like that was how I felt. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely incredible. <laughs> what a almost holy moment in a way, like and and a blessing that mm-hmm. that it all came together. It was like, do you think it was a moment of healing or of union or yeah. of what was it? It was definitely a moment of clarity. It was like, what have I been doing all this time? You know, it was definitely a moment of unity with myself and also thinking it also opened up a new level of understanding of me saying to myself, wow, this is how I want to show up for myself and for others on a daily basis, whether I'm singing or not. Mm. That was when I was like, this is where I need to be. You know, Wow. It was like an enlightenment. Absolutely. It was all the light bulbs, all of them. Yeah. So exciting. So Mm. can we talk about how you now took that and all of that information and that feeling and that enlightenment and now you help other people? Yes. Well, I had, as I said before, you know, I had students and I was working with their voice but it was just that singular thing. And there were many students who had beautiful voices who completely walked away from the music world and never looked back because there were other elements such as the mind game of being able to hang in there when people say negative things to you or being able to use the technique as a tool to help release your voice instead of imprisoning your instincts. You know, people have walked away from incredible opportunities because they just didn't have those elements to help it all come together. And so that was when I started finding a technique to be able to help people have a checklist in a sense of things Mm. to continuously look at and be present in while they're on their journey of developing their voice so that it wasn't a one hour experience that you were having with me as a voice teacher. You were having, yeah, sure, your voice lesson was happening for an hour, but you still got you know, 23 hours in the day, wouldn't it be great if you can use different frameworks and different techniques as well to be able to be working on your connectedness to your music and, and your mental approach to showing up and expressing yourself bravely and boldly. Wouldn't it be great to be able to practice that too, when you're not practicing singing throughout the day. And so that was pretty much what my new goal became. I knew I wanted to create a school for, expression and personal expression. And I knew I always wanted to use singing as a tool to do it, but uh, you know, I didn't really understand how to create, you know, frameworks to do it because I didn't know what was necessary. Once I figured out the three elements, then I started focusing on, okay, what are the, if we were to give you this, the, just the goodness, the gold nuggets of developing your voice, How do we make sure we don't put the cart before the horse so that you don't get burnt out, discouraged or broken before you have your breakthrough, which is what was happening. And it was the order was messed up and some of the things they were learning wasn't even correct. And so I began to look at, okay, if we're starting with the voice, what is a step-by-step easy to follow as far as understanding what the steps are? You still got to put in the work, but you know, what's the, what's the step of learning and training and building a relationship with your voice that feels naturally progressive so that you don't get burnt out or so frustrated that you just stop. So that was my first uh, point of focus. And so I, I developed the birds method. So it's B E R D S not, not B I S not the flying birds, Mm -hmm. but, and those stand for breathing, which is the foundation of our sound making. So that's where I would start with my students. And, and then I would go into emplacement. Okay. Now that you're breathing great, where are you sending that sound that you're now that you're making it? Where is it going? You know, how are you make, able to make it 
show up for you with and sound as if you have courage and conviction in the way in which you present your voice, whether you're speaking or singing. And then we talked about, we move into the R, which is registers. So, okay, if you don't want to be a person that talks like a robot and only hangs out in one area, how do you explore the voice so that you can use all the colors in the crayon box? And I mean that big one, the big crayon box with the three rows and the sharpener on the side, that one, <laughs> not, the, not the principal. The one we all wanted to use as a kid. Yeah, that we hated when another kid pulled it out. You know, yeah. it's like, who needs sea moss? Huh, like that. <laughs> but you might need sea moss, you know? So being able to use all those colors of your voice, how do we do that? How do we train that? And then moving on to diction, you know, clarity of pronunciation, phrasing, expression through your diction. And then the S of birds is now how do you present it for an audience or present it for a, a single person? That's an audience as well in a way that makes them feel like you're connected to them, you know? So that was the framework that I created as far as the order that really does evolve into the next step naturally, progressively. And in a way where you can have a, you know, you, you'll be winning every step of the way instead of feeling like, you know, it's just all over the place. Most people come in, they want to just sing a song off top. And now I got to tell them everything they just sang was incorrect. You know, it's like. Yeah. And it kind of t- tears them down and oh they get gosh. disheartened. Oh and... my gosh. It ruins it. Yeah. It really does. So it's like, let's get the order right. And when I started teaching in that style of that order of, of, of layering, the results were just profound like students who were just singing because they thought it was fun started falling in love with their voice they started being able to use it in different ways and 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 finding different ways of expression you know but then opportunities came for them and then it was like ah here comes oh because they were magnetizing Mm -hmm. because they were freeing the frequency of their voice was Mm -hmm. opening up and they were starting to just naturally call in Mm -hmm. the matching kind of opportunities Mm -hmm. Wow. So is that when you kind of got excited and kind of dove deeper in and started, co- like went and did your coaching? Absolutely. Because I had some students who, who, you know, we had worked on their voice, you know, they had said it was important to them to be able to be great speakers or great teachers or, or great vocalists. But then when those opportunities came, they were falling apart. And so I was like, all right, back to the framework drawing board. And so I went and I got my life coaching certification because I just needed more tools to be able to hold the level of need that was coming in for my students. And even for myself, I didn't have, I just didn't have it. I didn't have the, 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 the tools to really be able to help them navigate that world in a short amount of time. Remember I had been through all that mess for years, but you know, we're trying to get an expedited experience here. You know? Yeah. So I was like, how can I help them quickly? I didn't have the tools and it was very frustrating for me, very frustrating for them. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and start downloading more information to be able to help. And that's when I got, um, I, I got certified as a life coach because the issues that they were bringing up that were getting in the way of them feeling like they could actually show up for this moment that is that they had drawn to themselves, the issues that were coming up were not related to the bird's method, right? Yeah, so, yeah, it uh, wasn't just about the technique of the voice, it, it but it wasn't was about, about the, that at all. And so I needed to. It's about their childhood trauma, right? It's about that grandmother <laughs> who told them they couldn't do nothing right. It was about. Yeah! It was wow! About and that that you know, mean husband that never let the wife sing around the house. And, you know, they had gotten divorced, but she never was able to find her voice ever again and feel like she could just 
have fun and enjoy her own voice. Like it was all these different things that were coming in. And so I got certified as a life coach and I was able to combine the skill sets that I learned as a life coach with the skill sets that I had been working on and building as a vocalist and as a voice teacher and a vocal coach and really have solid frameworks just as I have with the birds method. But now with the mindset now with connecting emotionally to what it is you're saying, to what it is you're speaking. And so being able to combine life coaching with vocal coaching, ultimately creating vocal empowerment coaching now, which is what it really, that's, that's what's changed everything for me too. I'm learning from them as well. That, that never stops. You know, I'm not some Mm. guru sitting on the top of the mountain. I'm not here. You know, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in the trenches with you. You know, we are all continuously growing and evolving. And so I'm using these frameworks on myself as well as on them. And it's been so transformative. It's been so transformative and so powerful in their lives and in my life as well. Because once I started doing that, I really started, I started drawing things even into my own life that I was like, Ooh, it's taking it to the next level. Here we go. You know? Yeah. So that, and that's how vocal breakthrough Academy was born. Right. And so are there people who, uh, who aren't necessarily singers, but they want to have a relationship with their voice. Do you have people like that in your course? And, should people be scared of the fact that they, they aren't a singer and they're maybe in your group coaching, if that's part of what you do, that they might feel intimidated by people who are there who are real sort of art, well, real artists? Well, the intimidation is a real factor, but the thing that they usually understand is that it doesn't matter if you've been singing for 20 years or for two years or never sang at all. Everybody is looking and comparing themselves to somebody else. And it's, it's this great, like, equal ground that we all realize we do, whether we're singers or not. And so, you know, when I promoted Vocal Breakthrough Academy, I say it's, you know, it's a program that helps people learn how to, you know, break through self-doubt and comparison and learn how to have an authentic connection with themselves and others, even if they're not a singer. You're just using singing as a tool to work on those skill sets. And so they know when they come into VBA that, It's for all of those people who are pursuing that. And you can be a singer and use it, sure. But funny enough, most of the people in VBA, I've had certain seasons where it was just all non-professional vocalists. And that was also an indicator to me that, okay, I really need to make sure I'm getting on these, um, these life coaching techniques and life coaching skills so that they can be able to, uh, make that connection. They need to learn how to integrate mm. this into their real lives or their lives outside of just being a singer. And that has been why I started doing master classes within the course so that we can open up that dialogue and you can talk to me as a teacher and you can talk to me as a podcaster. You can talk to me as a, a nurse and tell me, you know, and we can discuss some of these things that pop up that block us from being able to make that connection with internal voice, what is authentic to you and expressing it so that you can connect with people on the outside. And so we have the masterclass as a part of, um, of the program that helps people be able to build that bridge into whatever their profession is. And that's Mm. been very uh, unifying because then what you find is that everybody in the room, regardless of their profession, even if they are a singer, they a lot of times fight the same battles and they struggle with the same things. And it actually eases the fear 
in the anxiety, if there is any, with any of the students that are not vocalists, are not singers. Wow. Mm. It's so beautiful. What I love about this is that you have created a platform for people who are looking to heal and there are you know, there are so many different ways that people can go on their healing journey. They could do the 12 steps, they can do mm-hmm. all these things, but to actually approach it through their voice and through something that will bring them joy, even if they do have to go into some of their past traumas mm-hmm. and all those, it's such a unique way to, um, I guess, approach your own personal healing journey. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast because it's so beautiful and I just love what you do. Oh, this is a joy for me. And honestly, healing from the inside out is not really something that, you know, it's, is championed enough, I think, in general. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, even in our own medical system here in the States, it's very much about once you are jacked up, we will try to patch you up, but it's not a lot of preventative work. It's not a lot of preventative focus on how to make sure you're, you know, working on the inside of you, keeping it as healthy and viable and functioning as much as possible so that you have more of a preventative care. And I think when we're dealing with, when we're using the voice as a means of healing and alignment we're healing from the inside out but also you have tools to maintain that balance so that you're not finding yourself in the same place you were when you came in and so I I love how the voice is able to get us on track it's just because it's yours and it's a signature sound that only you have it's your vocal it's like your audible fingerprint is how I think about it you know wow yes yeah I love that Mm. Yep. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I hope this episode has inspired you to keep going on what can sometimes be a tough road to inner peace and true happiness. If you want to dive deeper into what we talked about today, go to thehealingcocoon.co for show notes and all things personal growth. And don't forget, if you're loving The Healing Cocoon, then put that love into action and subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you download your podcasts. And until next time, my friends, let's rise and shine together.